Hello, everybody who is listening, and thanks for joining another episode of The Plump Serpent, the podcast about nature connection, self-empowerment, and well-being, with your host, Isabel Bloom, and my guest today, Natasha Branston. Natasha is a forest school leader and the founder of Educating Kids Outdoors. She and her team of eco-leaders work in primary, secondary and special schools all over the West Midlands, UK, delivering curriculum-linked and co-curriculum outdoor learning sessions during and after the school day, as well as during the school holidays. Her aim is to inspire school leaders and upskill school teachers to have the confidence and believe in developing sustainable and alternative approaches to learning beyond the classroom walls. Hello, Natasha, and welcome to the show. Good morning, Isabel. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here to discuss yeah. this wonderful subject. Yes, it is indeed very wonderful. Please, what is your experience with kids outdoors? What, what is the thing that is really most obvious to you? Um, the thing that is most obvious is that children, um, obviously I'm talking from a UK perspective, uh, do not have enough freedom to play outdoors. And the way that we see that, um, we have a lot of schools that come, that we, we go into schools and work with children there, or we bring uh, children to uh, one of our outdoor learning sites. And um, we bring in the, the curriculum links all the time, but we also give children um, complete freedom to choose how they engage with the activities, how to create and problem solve. And, they keep looking at you for direction. They keep wanting to know what, what the instructions are and how things should look at the end. And when you say that there is no, there's no set of instructions and there's no fixed way that what they're creating has to look like when they finish, they, they take a while to adjust that. Um, I think really until about the 1970s, children played outside very freely their parents just just let them go and they came back for meal times school time was much freer um, again i am i'm talking from a uk perspective i wonder what other people think about in their parts of the world um, and and really fear has almost um created a block to that uh, children are being kept much more in the home and um when they do go out to activities outside school they're they're very adult-led, they're being taught a sport or they're being taught a particular um, musical instrument how to play or they're being taught a particular style of art. They're not given very much choice. They're not being allowed to make mistakes. Um, and so sorry, I'm, I'm going off at a tangent, but to go back to your question, what I love seeing is the freedom that the children have when they are just given those choices to choose what to what to create and what to play and how they do that. They're born 100% courageous and creative and I think we squash that out. Um, you mentioned really some crucial points here. Um, we took away the creativity and, and freedom of, of the children and I mean it's so sad for me because it is just innate in children to express themselves freely. This is just natural. And in my experience, when I was teaching children uh, environmental education, it was really for me, it was extraordinary because for, for them, it was normal to be connected to nature. It was just inside of them. And they just, they just had to have the opportunity to do that. And when they had it, they just, they just knew what to do instantly. Um, and as you said, they're, they're more educated in an adult way. They're just so restricted. They, they're just trained to function. And I mean, that's so sad because the creativity is really the source of problem solving. And that, that's what is needed nowadays to, to have this kind of uh, mind that is really open to uh, any possibilities and to, and to find solutions that are not 
obvious and that that are not just used uh, hundreds hundreds of times. Um, and yeah, as you said, you you have to give them the space and also encourage them. Absolutely, there is um. In 2012, um, a report was commissioned by the National Trust. The National Trust is a huge charity that, that um, runs several sort of stately homes in the UK and, and lots of woodland and you know a lot of a lot of spaces. And they um, and they work with families and children and have educational programs. And they commissioned this uh, this uh, report around natural childhood. And out of that came this. Sort of feeling of, of something called nature deficit disorder, and it's and it's I mean it's um, I don't know if it's been officially claimed, but it, they talked a lot <laughs> about the impact of children being being restricted, and um, and it's been written about in in books, and it's really about the fact that education has been you know we as a, as humanity learnt so many skills just by trial and error, as you have said, and by community support and emulating others and having mentors and you know this has gone on through the ages hasn't it and then suddenly I mean I'd be very interested to hear what, what it's like in, in Switzerland because I, as I keep saying this is an English perspective I'd love to hear from other other listeners what they think but in England we seem to have taken all this learning and put it in a box and children now have to learn everything in this box which is called the classroom and schools now in the UK are distinguished by their exam results we have things called the league tables and depending on how many of your pupils were, were got high grades that is the order that schools are put in it's ridiculous it's not about how each child progressed or what each child went and did it is purely about your academic intellect not about your personal uh, development and so schools have this battle between ensuring they get good exam results and ensuring that their children learn and my fear is we now have a generation of young teachers who have gone through this educational process themselves. They have very limited nature connections. And this is obviously linked to the urbanization of society as well. And um, so it's sort of it's self-perpetuating. So we try and work with universities as well and education departments in universities to be part of if they're doing teacher training or actually any course that's going to involve them working with children. To, to show them about how you can learn outdoors and how you know, the powerful impact of outdoor learning has and, and getting out of the classroom. Um, I think that's a problem too. Is that, is that I mean, I'm interested in, in Switzerland. Is this the same story you're hearing in your schools? There are some some similar points there. I mean, there is there is this agenda, you know, this agenda twenty one and agenda thirty and whatever agenda there is. <laughs> so, um, yes, teachers are trained in a certain way to function in the classroom, and it is quite similar in Switzerland, where you have this kind of of of. Um, high bureaucracy in 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 the in this in the classroom and um this kind of um uh, how shall i say that when when you do, when you do a, an examination of of someone in in a, in 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 a, in a company how is that called an assessment yes or, like, uh, like, yeah like an assessment and and i feel like it's the same with the children they they go on the constant assessment yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and it, it is really as you said not about their individual unique skills and and qualities it's a lot it's about uh, functioning in a certain system and but what we have in Switzerland, we have a kind of a strong movement concerning uh, nature connection. And we have uh, some tradition with, with uh, school gardens and um, also, you know, in the kindergarten, they're outdoors, they're playing outdoors. And also in the schools, we have this kind of office where they can get in touch with nature and it is growing now uh, more and more because people are getting aware that 
I mean, nature connection is is absolutely fundamental for our thriving and for our well-being because we are nature too. So we are not yet robots and we are not yet just functional beings. So we need this connection to nature. So in Switzerland, it is kind of... Um, it is kind of similar, but there are there are really strong movements to to bring more nature in into school and to bring more nature in uh, into into the childhood. And there are a lot of um, a lot of forest schools, outdoor schools, like from from kindergarten age on. Like so, you have many possibilities when you have children here in Switzerland to, yeah to take the opportunity to, to give the children the, the education outdoors, actually. To, to be fair, in the UK, there is the Forest School Association. Um, I mean, we've copied it from Scandinavia. We brought it over in the 90s and they just developed this whole um, sort of program. And it is becoming more popular and it is um, more and more schools are offering it, particularly in the early years, as you say. So kindergarten and they have the, they try and have free folk free flow movement from the indoors to the outdoors which is great it varies enormously from school to school depending on the leadership style and what they focus on and the equipment that's provided you know again that depends on the teachers sometimes it's all plastic and it's all perfectly laid out and you have the area for the kitchen and the area for the I don't know for the carpentry and it's all you know done like that and then you have others which just look utter chaos but actually to me are utter heaven because they just have a pile of tires over there and a pile of planks over there and a pile of blackboard and chalk over there and the children just create their spaces I find children are very restricted if they see if they see a toy and they're told how to play with it you know that's all they will do if they're given a teapot and told this is for pouring tea that's all it will do if they're given a, a battered old plastic jug and told this can be, you know, used for science or it can be used for, I don't know, water play or they will use or it, they will use it as a teapot, but they will use it as many different things as well. And that's what, um, you know, we, we, we have to try and uh, allow. So more imagine, imagination and more creativity. One of the challenges I sometimes set to my groups is to write. They have to go and find a natural object. It might be a shaped or it might be a, a, an acorn or it might be a leaf and they have to write either a poem or a story about it but not saying what it is and it has to be something else and I love seeing what comes out when you force them to look at something and write about it in a different way they really struggle with that because they're so indoctrinated in you know this is a pencil and this is what it does and this is a computer and this is what it does they can't break out of that mindset Whereas, of course, our ancestors were always looking at things and being resourceful and saying, what can we do with this? Um, so uh, so I think that's very powerful, too. So, yes, schools are doing it, but it really depends on the leadership because there's so much pressure on the leaders to ensure that the exam results are coming through. The data is being collected and, uh, and the schools are deemed to be successful in those ways. And risk. Risk is a huge thing. Schools are terrified of litigation, fight. The number of um, cases being incredibly low. They, you know, parents are always um, worrying about this, that, and the other. So I'm regularly told, you know, we can't because of the parents. Some schools that we work in don't let us go in in, in the spring term, January to March, because that's when it's coldest in the UK, and they are fearful that the children will get cold. Despite the fact I tell them that, you know, all over the world, <laughs> again in in uh, in Sweden, they they go out all year round and they just wear their snowsuits they, they can't manage that so we you know we have a battle with that but I hope it will um it will come and as you say it develops these core skills and you mentioned um obs observing the children and of course a teacher observing a child in a classroom will be judging them on ridiculous things like do they sit still do they put their hand up when they ask a question do they hold their pencil correctly R ridiculous things Whereas outside, you are observing a child's resilience, courage, communication, compassion, curiosity. Those are the skills that are important. And those are the skills that our future job, you know, our future employers want. And they don't know whether they don't care whether someone 
sit at their chair still or put their hand up to ask a question. But they do want an individual who is curious and wants to do things better and wants to learn about things and wants to communicate well with their team. Um, so I, I think we're, we're missing that as well. We're, we're training children in all the wrong things. We, we are training children actually in, in very old ways. Um, I mean, you, you know that better than me, but um, this kind of mindset, this kind of, um, the child has to function in a certain way so it can uh, afterwards, after school, function in a company like the same way. This is very old school. I mean, this is kind of... Um, uh, hundred and hundred fifty years old thinking, and uh, I mean times are very different now. Um, pe people have so many choices what what they can do. They they are free to make their own business or work in a company or work with others, whatever. And I mean the 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 times are always changing. I I think it's really it's really kind of. Um, kind of madness actually to think that the future will look the same as it is now you know so i mean when we when we train and educate children to function in a certain way we just take them away their freedom of 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 adaption also to other circumstances and that that is really something that is that is really scary when i see children like you know they're they're walking around like robots, and and this is really scary. And um, and as you said, also this fear factor that is very present in in uh, in parents, and they just they just spread it to their children. And this is really, I get very angry sometimes. I really get very angry when I see that when I see these children that are just. No, don't touch the, the the stone. Don't touch the earth. Don't touch that. And the child, the child is like, ah! <laughs> it is just frightened of everything. And and, and that's really, our environment. We're creatures of our yes, environment, aren't we? Yes. So if our home environment tells yes. us messages like, if it's wet, we don't go outside. <laughs> yeah. We don't touch that because we'll be muddy. Yeah. Uh, we don't talk. In, in school corridors now in England, in some school corridors, you're not allowed to speak between lessons. They have to walk from lesson wow. to lesson wow. in silence. So don't communicate with your with your fellow man. Um, it's it's extraordinary. And we hear these things when these children come. That you know, they're, they're it's it's recognised, isn't it? Now they're sensory. They're very fearful uh, of their senses. Yes. We, I'm always trying to do mud play, and that you you see them being apprehensive about playing with mud. They don't like the feeling. They want to wash their hands. Uh, they don't want to get mud on their clothes. They don't think about changing their clothes so that they can wear clothes. Some clothes they can get muddy in, some clothes they might not get muddy in, but they don't think like that. They just think, I don't want to get muddy. Yeah. Um, their, their, you know, fire, their response is fearful instead of being, instead of wonderful and, um, and, and learning how to handle fire appropriately and safely, but not being fearful of fire. And foraging, again, I mean, you had a really interesting um, speaker about food that I, I, I'm passionate about, see, eating seasonally. And children are so disconnected now from eating seasonally because supermarkets sell everything. They don't, they don't think about eating strawberries in December in the UK, which is ridiculous. You might get autumn raspberries, but we don't get winter strawberries. Um, and and it's much more exciting to to be connected to your food and look forward to the seasons. Um, and and even climate change now, when I, when children, you know, they they sort of confused about how we can support climate change. They sort of they kind of get the lit a bit and they get recycling, but they don't really know what the problem is. Actually, many adults don't. And you try and talk about temperature, and that's really what the problem is, isn't it? It's, it's the, the world getting hot. Steps we need to take bring the temperature down and they don't really think about temperature because they have central heating in their houses and they have aircon in their cars so they don't they don't really connect with the impact that the temperature has on our world and how things grow and how animals survive and how food needs to be available for the animals at this time so they're not really 
they don't really understand this 1.5 business about climate change, I feel. From the conversations that I have with children, when you talk about climate change, they talk about pollution and they talk about um, the destruction of habitats, which are incredibly important, but they aren't thinking about the crucial problem, which is the rise in temperature. Yeah, but uh, you know, this kind of... Um assumptions and kind of truths about the uh, rising temperatures are questionable and they are discussed in uh, scientific uh, areas and we just so push to think in a certain way so climate change is um is really highly questionable um i mean in my perception when you read when you read really scientific papers and you really study science, um, you can ask some questions. So, but uh, I mean, pollution is a very, 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 very important issue. And also, um, you know, the blocking of the sun. And I mean, we are intoxicated on so many levels. And that this is really the, the biggest issue we are facing now, right now, the intoxication of our livelihood. And uh, also the disruption of photosynthesis, you know? I mean, there are really machines going on and there are agendas going on that the, the sun doesn't hit the earth anymore. And without sun and without uh, carbon dioxide, we don't have plants, we don't have food. There is no life on earth. So this is really, this is the topic. And uh, Climate change is also agenda. You know, there is really a lot of agenda behind climate change. But uh, yeah, as you said, uh, food food is a topic and also the connection in general to nature is, is really a big, big topic. I mean, not only for children, but also for, for grown-ups. And um, the school is such an important place for that because children spend so much time in school. And I mean, well, I got chills when you said that that the children are not allowed to talk anymore when they walk from classroom to classroom. I mean, this is this is prison. This is prison. It's and this, isn't it? this is mad, this health. is madhouse. Yeah, and wow. really damaging. I mean, luckily, as you mentioned in Switzerland, there are some really good examples, and in the UK, there are some great examples of of innovative schools and educational leaders doing it and I know that in Australia they've got some amazing called Bush Kinder which again is you know bringing it out for children and in Germany um, there's something called Wald uh, Kindergarten but the words I'm hearing is it's a lot about children at a very young age which is mm. great because I know until you're eight you know it's so important at that, that stage for, for development so I'm thrilled it's in those stages but I really want to see it carrying on as the children get older as well, and um, and it not just being removed, removed, and then this pressure, this exam pressure comes in. It needs to be there all the way through, and um, and there needs to be more and more opportunities for children to go to. But you know, there are a lot of green spaces are being destroyed. How you know our houses are being um, houses are being built everywhere. There are fewer and fewer places for young people to to meet and teenagers to meet. In fact, several of our sites that we've developed on schools, on primary schools in, in towns and villages, the older children <laughs> break in to these places. And in a way, I don't mind because it's a nice place for them to hang out. But I do mind because they, they leave all their rubbish there, <laughs> usually their cans and sometimes worse. And uh, I'm like, I kind of always want to say to them, kids, you had a great time when you were here in primary school. If you're going to come back and visit, you know, in the evening or in the holidays when the school is shut. I don't really mind, but you have to leave it as you found it. So I try and put up posters in these areas so that, so that they'll, they'll do this. Um, but that, you know, that's a, another issue for teenagers. There are just fewer places for them to, to go and, and, and hang out and, and, and be that person. So many restrictions <laughs> everywhere. It's, <laughs> it's really kind of, yeah, kind of sad, but... Um, I think the awareness is growing that we, but we need these places again. And um, 
I see I see a lot of a lot of people in the UK who are just encouraged and who are very active and committed to to green the, the cities and the urban areas and yeah to make them more natural again. So I think this really this is a wave now, you know, like like it's it's coming back, you know, the awareness and and the, also the the urge to connect with nature. It is really like it, it needs to come from the inside. You 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 know you can't always tell people what to do. They they really want want to do it. They they really need to do it. And uh, yeah, so I think this is kind of changing. So and with your opportunities and with your work, you're doing a really great great job for that. And as you well, we said. Don't. Yeah. Sorry. And as you said, it is really crucial that you also go into the universities um, to educate the, the, the teachers. And I think you also have to deal with politics. <laughs> yeah, no, well, I'm, I'm interested. I was going to ask you actually more. Tell me more from your, your opinions, because, of course, you know, the UK media write things from a certain angle and, um, and then you listen to podcasts and things from other parts of the world. So I'm interested in what you think. I mean, I was pleased that COP26 in Glasgow has basically been almost the first news item, you know, while it's been going on, which has been a big, a big change. And there are more conversations going on. And in fact, I love the conversations I have with parents of the children that I, you know, that I work with. And they, I know that at home conversations are going on about it. And, um, and in the schools too, it's not just about running a forest school session. Schools are thinking about their sustainability and their, you know, their impact, their use of electricity, their waste, their food sources, all these things are, are coming in. And, uh, and that's really, really positive. Um, but, but tell me your thoughts about, about the political side of things on this agenda. Concerning uh, what? Well, concerning, um, you know, sort of climate change and, and nature connection and how, how, the, how the government's are using it to their benefit? You know, there's anyway much agenda around. <laughs> and and people need to get aware that they, are, that they are sovereign beings and they don't need any government or any politician or company leader or whatever to tell them what they shall do. So this is the first point. People really need to get aware that they're self-responsible. <laughs> and so they really need to take action, you know, for themselves and, and stand up for themselves, stand up for their values and, and for whatever is, is important for them. And um, For me, you know, this kind of system, this established system of there are the leaders and there is the public. Um, this is kind of very old, old school. And this needs to change. This is really crumbling down. This is not fu functioning. This is not working. Um, and, you know, there, I mean, for me, it's kind of ridiculous to think that a few people can tell me what I shall do, how I shall lead my life, what, what, I can, what I can do, what I need to eat, what I need to do with my body, whatever, you know. Uh, it's my choice. It's up to me what I want to do with my life. And um, these people are, in the first place, there for me, and I'm not there for them. So, <laughs> you know, this is kind of, we, we need to switch this perspective, you know. Um, and this is also kind of thing with the, with the, with the parents. Um, yes, parents are responsible for their children, but children are not the property of the parents. Um, I mean, children are their own beings with their own world, with their own skills, with their own qualities. And they are not just kind of, 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 um, how is this material uh, called where you can... Which you can patty or Play-Doh. Patty or Yes, Play -Doh yes, or yes. Or you know, and sometimes I have, I have the impression that, that the parents see their children like, you know, like they can form them in, mm. in 
what what their ideas are, what they shall do. But the children have their own ideas when you let them be, you know. And again, this is the issue of this of this um being really in yourself being rooted in yourself what are you what what do you really want what what is your essence what is your kind of expression whatever you know um so this is for me one of the most crucial points we are facing right now I feel I'm listening to a real disruptor, an activist. I'd love to know what your placard says when you march down the street. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm not the person who is marching. I'm just, you know, I'm I'm simply sending out and I'm expecting of other people, you know, to think for themselves. So, you know, so Do you um, think there needs to be any social framework though? Do you not feel I mean, it sounds awful, doesn't it, to say that there are some people who just need do need some some yes. guidance, and whether it's lack of education or it's just a really traumatic um, childhood experiences. Are, are there any social frameworks required? Do you think, or everybody should be completely free, a libertarian society? You know, when we are really in ourselves and really free, we can also come together as a community. Um, through compassion and and by listening yes yeah. i mean it's it's yeah. also about respect and um having boundaries but also respect the others um and not this kind of very pathological um collectivism we are now in you know this is really pathological um and also this kind of I feel offended by everything, you know, so I, yes. I'm, I'm constantly in this, in this kind of uh, anxiety and anger and, and whatever state. And I really have to defend myself every time, you know, so this is really crazy. Um, yeah, I, do, I, do, I totally hear that. We've definitely reached that point in England. I talk about that, actually. I, I have teenage children. I talk about yes. that with them about how I, I say something and they're regularly saying, Mom, you can't say that. And I'm like, but if I'm saying it, I'm not saying it to cause offense. I'm saying it because I don't I don't know. So teach me. And there's often this talk about no, but we shouldn't have to teach you. You should just know. I'm like, but but I genuinely don't, you know, I don't step out of this room to cause offense. I just sometimes might use the wrong language or I might say something and I and I need through in, in a compassionate way to be taught how not to not to say that and you're right there is a lot of fear about saying saying the wrong thing um your point about about sort of how people are structured to learn I mean I, another point I was thinking going back to these this sort of um pathway to to, to exam results you know the, these exam machines that schools have become it's also important for us to, to think I think and to discuss with our children about you know what 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 does an a star mean how does that how does that help you become a, a brilliant friend or how does that help you in your marriage or how does that help you sort of develop the you know the skills to 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 move forward with your with your vision appropriately and um and we have to really think about what the purpose of our schools are are they there to bring out the, the best in each individual and you know we're happy to accept that in a team you need a team to be made up of different people you need them with different skills. You need the people that pay attention to detail. You need the people that are prepared to you know, do blue sky thinking. You need the people that, um, I don't know, make, make things happen. You know, we all recognize that. A psychologist would tell us, and there are endless corporate training programs about you know, a good team. And yet, in a school, we want everybody to be the same. And so the two things are crazy. And it comes back to my point about observation, that if the teachers are judging the child on the same things in the classroom, and yet we know, and we talked about this right at the beginning, that when children are outside and allowed to express themselves as they are in an individual, are they, do they love creating things? Well, they, they'll go do that. Do they love working as a team to share ideas? Do they love sitting around the fire and creating music or, or, or creating a, a very calm environment? Do they like just sitting and listening to others? You know, we will see the children show their true selves and we can observe that. 
but you can't do that in a school and I and because there aren't those spaces to do that um, and I think that we need to encourage and help schools to, to provide these spaces for children to be um, to show their individual uh, talents and to shine in different ways in a lot of our mainstream schools the only place you can shine is academically even some of our sports days particularly in the primary school nobody's if, if you did a running race you don't celebrate the winner you just give everybody a badge well why is it not okay to celebrate someone who runs fast who has that gift why don't we then go on and do a an art competition and celebrate the someone you know the the, the, the winner of that it's okay to celebrate talent it, it goes back to your point about everyone being fearful and, and, and not wanting to offend you know just because you celebrate someone's talent doesn't mean you're squashing everybody else. You can you can deliver praise effectively without excluding others. You just find different words or different areas to praise the different children. But they're, they're, they're afraid of letting anyone's head go above the parapet because they think they're going to squash others. Oh, if we praise that child for running fast, everyone else is going to feel terrible. If we praise that person for their artwork, everyone's going to feel they can't draw. Well, no, they're not. If you talk about it openly and you talk about the fact that everybody's artwork is special and unique, because we're all special and unique. And the boy, the boy or the girl that runs really fast, isn't that fantastic? Let's celebrate that and let's use that skill. But let's also celebrate the person that can jump the highest or the person that can tell the best joke or the person that can, I don't know, make someone smile who, who came to school feeling a little bit sad today. I think that's yes. so important. Yes, that's so true. And, and again, it's 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 really showing that we are kind of in, in a mental disorder state, obviously, because it is so much contradiction. On one side, every everybody has to function the same way. On the other side, everybody talks about leadership. This I mean, there, there's no match there. A leader stands out. Uh, a, a leader is leading the way. <laughs> so he he needs to act differently because otherwise he's he's or she is not the leader, um, and also this kind of inclusive inclusivity or how is it spelled inclusivity yes, right. inclusivity yeah. thinking. I mean, the more inclusive you want to be, the more exclusive you are because you're splitting everything in hundred millions of pieces and um, nobody nobody in the end is is addressed as as a whole it is just like pieces and splitters and and fractals and, and everything is just broken um so there's really a lot of a lot of mental confusion around actually and uh yeah you you mentioned really some some very important points here um and as you said it is for me also very um, kind of uh, crazy <laughs> because everybody wants to be a star. You know, I don't oh, know how how it is celebrity culture. Oh. How it is in the UK, but yeah. uh, you you want to be a sports star, you want to be a, a, a movie star, a singer, uh, whatever. But when you when you ask these kids, so why are these people stars? because they can do things specially they stand out they are better than the others in whatever they do and i mean how do you want to be a star when you are like all the others this is just kind of contradictory this is you know <laughs> for me it's really you're, like you're crazy <laughs> you're so right i always i always say that you shouldn't want to be famous you should want to be good at what you do yes and, but yet we have this disconnect between, no, no, the kids want to be famous first. <laughs> I'm always saying to them, well, what are you going to be famous, famous in? We do, we do, one, um, we do one, one activity when we make uh, medals out of clay. And um, we talk about what it, it means to earn a medal. What do you have to do to earn a medal? And uh, so sometimes they talk about uh, the military and uh, sometimes they talk about uh, being sports. And, um, and I say, can you, do you think you could get a medal from helping a friend? Could you get a medal for building a bug hotel or planting trees? 
And I try and, you know, we just try and change this thinking about what you would get a medal for, rather than it just being when you sort of get a medal for, for, for being famous because you did an amazing, well, in the military, obviously that's through bravery, you can do it, but for doing a famous act, it doesn't have to be a famous act to get a medal. You can give yourself a medal because you've, you've made a difference. Um, I mean, it's quite interesting the way that uh, there's sort of this irony at the moment that there, there is an interest, you know, the interest in, in wildlife and, and is, is increasing across the world, but yet at a far greater rate, wildlife habitats are decreasing. So it's sort of trying to change this or, or motivate this interest into action and, and, you know, whether it's small, small changes, but I, our, our sort of strap line at Eco, if you like, is learn, connect protect because I think you've got to learn about it uh, in whatever interests you whether you're learning about the life cycle of a I don't know shield bug or you're learning about how many thousands of different um, creatures rely on an oak tree for their habitat or you're learning about the water cycle or whatever it is you, you do need to learn a little bit you need to be introduced to it I don't mean you sit in a classroom and read a book I mean someone needs to take you outside and take you for walks and you need to learn that will help you connect. And as you connect, you will then choose to learn yourself, whether you're researching things online or, or reading books or talking to experts or listening to podcasts. And that will then instill a desire to protect. And that's how nature connection, I think, happens. You can't, I used to think you could just take someone outside and, and it would happen. I, I think it does happen if you, because you will feel calmer automatically won't you and you will be stimulated by what you see but I do think when someone's telling you a little bit about that place what you're looking at or what you're hearing it, it leads to a greater connection which then I hope I hope goes forward on, on that um, so I do I do think those those steps one needs needs to take for it to happen and whether that's happening in your family or your school yeah, yeah this is uh, interesting what you say that you have this approach of first learning and then um, acting oh how do you say it learn learn connect protect learn connect protect this is uh, interesting in in my experience um when you go outdoors, uh, maybe uh, grown-ups or children, and you allow them to be in the space and observe and uh, just point out, so what do you see? Um, what do you see when you look at the tree? What is happening right now? And they get some ideas, and afterwards you can discuss about that. Um but anyways, we have so many ideas and so many um, uh, truths that are actually not true. We, we don't know actually anything what is happening really, you know, in nature. We just have this kind of uh, hypothesis and, and, and uh, um, this kind of... Um, yeah ways how we frame you know certain actions reactions um certain pathways what is happening in nature with the trees and and all their connections but we have this kind of a very um human points and human view on 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 the natural world we see it really in a kind of very functional way uh, what it is at certain uh, levels and in certain aspects, but it's so much more than that. And for me, it was really interesting to dive deeper into the thinking of um, indigenous peoples all over the world. And I mean, with indigenous people, I, I don't only mean Indians. And, and we also have indigenous roots in the Western world. So... Um, they really they observed things and looked at what is moving what 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 is happening and not what they see so for example um i always uh, remember this um this thing um 
in the Western world, when a ball is moving, for example, there is there is a father with his son, and they they play with a ball, for example, and and uh, the father says, "Look, this is a ball, and maybe this is a green ball or a, a red ball or with points, whatever, whatever." But he says, "This is a ball," and in in other cultures where they are kind of in, in a different mindset they see look how this how this thing is moving look look at the movement what it what is it doing what what is happening with it how is your interaction with it what are you doing with it and, and not only pointing to what this thing is you know because this is very restrictive you can name it 100 names you know, you can name it a ball or whatever, but the movement is the movement. It is happening. So, yeah, as you as you said, this is really interesting. How how can you how can you make this kind of mindset happening or activating? And this is really interesting when you dive deeper into it. And from your experience, this is what is working for you. And that is really interesting uh, to explore that more, you know. I, I agree. And actually, I love how you describe that, that ball analogy. And I think I must um, ensure that when I put learn, connect, protect, I don't necessarily mean learn as in learn I wrote like a school. Yes. I don't walk around saying this is this is an oak tree, this is an ash tree, this is a willow tree. I would walk around and rather like you, I might be saying, use your senses to look at this tree. What does mm. it smell like? What do the leaves look like? What sound does it make when you rub your hand against the bark? That and then maybe we'd look at another tree. So when I'm learning, I'm not giving them a list of things to learn but I am introducing them mm -hmm. to things in a different way. And we might just be sitting around a campfire and, and, and using our senses that way. But I find if I just take children now into an outdoor space, and they just sit there, that they take them a while to spread their, ring, their wings. I do have to say, there's the mud kitchen. Just go and do what you want and you can make mud pies if you want to so they have to have a little bit of direction to get going but I don't say I don't show them a photograph and say this is what I want you to create or I don't give them a list of things and say this is what I want you to learn which is what happens in schools they have a whiteboard and they show them a picture of an oak tree and they say this is an oak tree great tip <laughs> they've learned what an oak tree looks like I'm like what so we have our learn connect protect but I also so that's the nature but also for the individual, because, and I know that you believe, you know, passionately about this, Isabel, and I'm interested in your, your opinion, but just if we learn about how we react in nature, if we really learn about how our body feels calmer, how our heads stop spinning, how we breathe more easily, then we connect to that place. And I always talk to the children about that, how they belong in that space. They belong in that group. We talk about we have eco after school clubs. And every week I will say you belong in eco after school club and you are safe here. And they really respond to that and they talk about it being safe. They talk about belonging. We always share something to eat, a little snack. And I think that community around the fire sharing a snack before we do our activity is really important. So they they learn they, they learn about themselves. They learn that they feel good in that space, whatever's happened during the day or happened at home that evening. Then they learn to connect with nature because they want, they, they, they want to get outside because they know that's a place where they feel safe. And then they want to protect our natural world. So it's about them learning about the world and leading to protect the world. Also about learning about themselves and finding tools and strategies to protect their own mental and physical health and, and well-being and I really hope the two come come together and however they use it whatever whatever spirituality they develop or don't develop whatever faith systems they engage with or don't engage with I I you know I fundamentally believe life we, we're, we're not number one on this planet even though most humans do think that and I think that's a way of showing them that we're not number one and then they use that knowledge 
in whatever way they choose to use. You said it really beautifully. It is really this, this embodiment. When you really feel, when you really are in your body, you are instantly connected because when you feel it, you you know it, you know it in yourself. So that is really that is really beautiful what you shared that that you um, approach your senses, you kind of um, yeah, embrace them and, and explore them. And with that you also explore yourself and this this sense of belonging um, then really comes up because you you feel it. It's not just an idea in your mind. It's in your body. And this is really, as you said, um, this learn, connect, protect. This is really the way, you know, you need really to embody. You, you, you need to feel that you breathe with the tree. You are really connected. It's not just an idea. It is really, it is a physical thing. And this is really crucial, as you said. And really, I see the children sitting around the fire and eating the snacks, and it's really beautiful. Yes. And of course, by we're doing it with the children, but around the fire, we also have school teachers. Yes. And I really hope. Well, actually, I, I know. I know it affects them too. They tell us it does. So even though the session is for the children, it will go. It will trickle on. You know, it's like that. That in the pond the ripples go out further it goes out to the school teachers and hopefully they might share it with their colleagues in the school or want to you know bring more of this into their teaching goes back to what we want to do and then it also goes back to families so at the um we have reflection time at the end of our sessions and we do something called six second senses when they put on we talk about binocular eyes listening ears sniffling noses feeling fingers and tasting tongues and we just sense, we just take six seconds, no longer, to take in where we are sitting at that moment. And I want the children, because we are meeting usually on a weekly basis, I want the children to, to really feel it. And what's magical is when I hear stories such as one, one parent told me that they have, uh, some people call me Tasha as a shortening of my name, and they have Tasha's time out. And if they go on a family walk, they will stop for six seconds and they will do Tasha's time out and it was their name and uh, and they and they use their senses to take in the, the field or the wood or wherever they are and that just brought tears to my eyes because I was like that that's that's my role that's what I'm here for just to try and be a tiny tiny ripple out and who knows they do it with their children or you know these things these things go don't they and you just have to provide this these suggestions and the children will will take them in the way that that they want to them and share them with those people that they want to share them with and that's all we can do isn't it as we move forward with this agenda of ours of nature connection we have to try and help people connect in their own way in their own time and then our our, our prayer our wish or whatever is that they will then pass that connection on and i want schools to feel that to feel that connection you know teachers who who um who do regularly outdoor learning, you know, they all talk about how it has such a positive impact on job satisfaction, their health and well-being, their ability to teach, um, you know, and, and that's huge. Teachers are, are leaving schools in droves in the UK because they're absolutely exhausted. They are, you know, in secondary schools, they're verbally abused, they're physically abused, they're, they've got so much pressure from the heads, they've got so much pressure from the parents, and uh, that's Crazy. Teaching is wonderful, but I couldn't teach in a classroom. I can only teach at home. It should be a joy. It should be passion. It should be encouraging. And when teachers are are feeling bad, how shall they motivate children? That's just <laughs> that's just not working. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Well, how wonderful this this uh, example of yours, where they where they took your your uh, your my six second senses. Yes. Idea. This this is really so lovely. And as you said, we are here to 
to offer possibilities and we are here to show ways but but humans need to do it on on their own way because it is really about the creativity and we are such creative beings and it's also about self-confidence and awareness and what, what you know what what is inside of me what wants to come out in in the way i express it and this is really such a beautiful example of yours how this is working actually this is really beautiful so how can people get in touch with you how do they find you so we have our website which is www.ecolearning.org.uk um, or they can email me, natasha at ecolearning.org.uk. And um, we, I'm, I'm passionate. I always enjoy conferences when there are international um, guests, you know, talking about what's, what's happening around the world because there is so much good practice. And um, I do think that, that England really needs to, to, to catch up. I mean, in the UK, Scotland is, is way, way ahead of, of England. Wales is, is ahead of England too. But Scotland have now got outdoor learning on, you know, as part of their curriculum, which, of course, once it's on the curriculum, it means that all teachers have to learn about it in their, when they're doing their teacher training. So it's a fantastic way to, to build it in. And um, so we're just we're just trying to push the government to, you know, to do to, to include it in the English curriculum. And then you know, PE, physical education, that's on the curriculum, which is great because then training follows and funding follows you know there's music and there's art and I'd really like outdoor learning to, to be there because that gives us space for it although I think outdoor learning must be general and all subjects can, can benefit from being taught outdoors if it's just somewhere on the curriculum it just allows it to be to be enforced you know because PE it's great but it's done inside quite often and um, art and, and music again are done inside so there's sort of co-curriculum if you like um there's nothing to to enforce that children go outside um they introduced a really simple idea in in in, in many schools um recently called i uh, called something like the mile mile a week or one mile a week or something and it involves um it's in primary schools and they have to walk around their school one mile and and of course it's had such a great impact and the schools love it the children are all out there walking, so they're taking exercise. That's huge. Obesity is one of the biggest problems in the UK. Um, they are chatting to each other, so that's lovely, and they're allowed to chat outside. <laughs> uh, the teachers are walking as well, so the teachers are, wa are walking and talking with each other, but also with the children. And it's just a really simple idea. That, and they're seeing, of course, how their playground and their air outside area changes because they do it every week. So they see the leaves and you know change on the trees. They see the flowers come up. Um, so even these tiny, tiny initiatives, once they spread, they can make such a huge difference. And I think you know globally, I'd love to hear about these little initiatives that are happening because um, it'd be great to great to share. Yeah, wonderful. So get in touch with Natasha if you have anything that is uh, of interest to her. Um, yeah please see you can find me on linkedin obviously yes. that's where, where isabella and i found each other and um <laughs> and i love extending my my linkedin community to, to like-minded folk wonderful yeah thank you very much natasha for this very insightful uh, empowering and yeah kind of um deep conversations we had about uh, children and yeah their education and uh, being outdoors and learning and connecting outdoors thank you very much you're very welcome as well thank you for inviting me on your podcast Thanks for joining us this week on the Plant Serpent Podcast. When you like this show, you can leave a message on our anchor site, share this podcast or simply tell a friend about it. You might also become a member on my Patreon site, Plant Serpent, where I offer you some valuable bonus content to deepen your connection with nature and yourself. And I appreciate when you tune in next week for our next episode.
May the magic of the plumped serpent be with you. <laughs>